Hello, and thank you for tuning in to The Escafil Files, a book analysis podcast where one diehard fan and one newbie start yet another podcast about Animorphs, the children's book series by K.A. Applegate. I'm Danielle, I use she or they pronouns, and you can find me on the internet at Talk 90 and my co-host is Jade. Hello, I'm Jade. I'm found most places on the internet at jadeoxfordrose, and I use they, them pronouns. We'll be making our way through the books, one book at a time, analyzing the themes and how they stand up to time, and sharing the experience with our friends on Discord, the link to which you can find in the show notes. Today, we have a guest. Welcome, Emily. Hi, my name is Emily. I use they, she pronouns. Uh, I can be found at emily9363 on Twitter. We are talking about book number 40, The Other, today, uh, which is sure a is. book. Uh, uh, we have invited Emily uh, to come and speak with us today because book 40 uh, deals with a lot of ableism. Like, it's really fucking bad. Yep. It's starting on page eight bad. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's uh, it, it's bad, uh, and it doesn't get better. Um, it is extremely '90s in its presentation of ableism, and then correction of that ableism. Let's say Axe is extremely ableist because he's an Andalite, and Andalite society mm-hmm. is extremely fucking ableist and really gross. Uh, and Marco spends a lot of the book being like, Axe, what the fuck? Um, but it, it's also yeah. extremely 90s the way that Marco does that. And it's just overall not great. And it's, and Axe doesn't exactly learn the lesson by the end. Uh, no. He, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. He, he kind of does the that moment- thing where he's like, ah, yes, that's, I, it was so, I slightly I changed the And I was wording. like, is this the lesson? Yeah. Is this yeah. the lesson? <laughs> Oh yeah, no. it's it's bad. Um, so uh, content warnings for this book for ableism, uh, and also terminal illness, um, which is treated slightly better, but also like that's a very very low bar, and it mm. does not clear it by much at all. Um, it's, it's like um the the corgi clearing the bar essentially. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-huh. Um uh it was ghostwritten by Gina Casconi or Cascone, I I do not know how to pronounce her name. Um this is her only credit in the Animorph series, and if this is uh indicative of her work, I'm kinda glad. Agreed. Uh see I uh, this is I'm not gonna play devil's advocate because one, the devil don't need no advocates. Uh he's doing fine. I will say, if we excise the shitty ableism as it is portrayed and the very 90s portrayal of the correction of said ableism, Mm -hmm. there's some really good character writing in this book. There is some great interplay with characters and even the premise of the plot, Mm -hmm. uh, which I'll say now. Finding out there are other, there are two Andalites hiding out on Earth and they have their own reasons for being here and them getting caught up with the Yerks um, Mm -hmm. for lack of trying to not be. Mm -hmm. That's good. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes it frustrating Mm -hmm. to have 
one, the incredibly just 90s of it, uh, 90s-ness political correctness of it all and like well-meaning liberal attitudes towards uh, people with disabilities and chronic illnesses. Um, and there is a way to write an ableist character that isn't just full on having them say the shitty thing. Correct. You don't have, yeah, you don't have to portray that front and center mm-hmm. to make a point. Like there's ways to talk about Andalite society having real shitty problems with ableism without having acts front and center saying a term uh, which is the Andalite equivalent of this useless person because they are disabled yeah. and are shamed by society for it. Yeah. It, mm-hmm. It's deeply uncomfortable to read Axe as a character that is so heavily coded as neurodivergent as well mm-hmm. out here being like the worst kind of example of white autistic men. Mm-hmm. Just like, oh, well, that's where I grew up and that's my understanding of things and you can't judge me for it because I'm autistic. And I'm like, right. eat shit. You're still an mm-hmm. asshole. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, especially when we've seen acts like grow over the course of a book before. Mm-hmm. You know, where where he sees, like, it, only two books ago we had The Arrival and we had acts like... Mm-hmm. Once again, dealing with how fucking shitty the Andalites are. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's just... It, do- it makes me wonder, and if we didn't have the brief fucking instance on page eight, um, and oh, it is eight. a shitty... Be- yeah, <laughs> but of, like, somebody very far from home easily falling into old habits. And it's shitty mm-hmm. that they undo Axe's characterization. The same thing happens to Cassie frequently. Yeah. Um, but the fact that he gets egregiously more Andalite when other Andalites are around. Mm-hmm. It's not quite code switching, but it's like, oh, you meet the people you used to run around with and you slip back mm-hmm. into ways of thinking you're trying to break out of. Mm-hmm. But this is also the first time in the books we've seen Axe wa- uh, deal um, with as far as we know, anybody with any kind of disability, let alone an Andalite mm-hmm. with a disability. Yeah. Yeah. It's... Uh, let me tell you, this is going to come up again. Oh, great. Oh, boy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's <laughs> it's sure going to come up again. Mm. Hey. Like, because well, the thing is, like, the characters that we're going to meet, uh, one, they're fun. I say fun. They are. They're great. I love them. Love them. But also (laughs) the way they are depicted and their attitudes are a much better way of showing somebody like struggling with internalized ableism or trying to break free of a way of thinking about uh, your society's Mm -hmm. attitudes towards a section of society. Yeah. Those are a more nuanced take. They're still, let me be clear, they ain't good. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. But they are an inexpertly done way of approaching the subject. Yeah. It's it's very ham fisted is what it is. And yeah, I don't know the if they way, did that. Mm-hmm. Now please continue. <laughs> I don't know if they did that because they thought like, oh, uh, 
you know, it's a children's book. We need to, we need to be really obvious with this, but like the whole series is a children's series and they do just fine with handling really advanced topics like war and how it changes you uh, without this sort of ham fistedness. Right. That is just like, here is a special, it's very special episode. Mm-hmm. of a tv show just like and here's where we meet this person and the mm-hmm. team has to learn to deal with their attitudes about why and mm-hmm. it's like whenever some of the biggest missteps so far for me really you know, or when they're trying really hard to tackle something and just botch it mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah it's very reminiscent of uh, book 28 in that way. Uh, book 28 was fucking weird. That one just didn't make any fucking sense. Now I'm trying to remember which one 28 was. That, that's the cow one. Oh my god, the cow one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> oh no. This, this book series that I have been brought introduced to... In my adulthood, that just brings me equal parts deep feelings and rage. Um, <laughs> the animorphs experience of things. Uh-huh. It's certainly an experience. Uh, yep, experiencing it for the first time in adulthood. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We should say that um, uh, how Emily came to be involved in this because uh, this is one of these things where our friend interceded, just like, "Hey, you want to come talk about a thing?" Because <laughs> my understanding of this, you're not really, this is your first sort of time really delving into the Animorphs universe. Yes. Dirk was like, hey, um, does anybody want to come talk about ableism in Animorphs? And I was like, I'm always down to talk about ableism in books because I have a whole degree in English literature. <laughs> um, and so I was like, I know nothing about Animorphs, but if you give me enough context and you give me the book, I'll absolutely tear it to shred. And boy, was I surprised <laughs> that this was in a children's book. <laughs> I am sorry that this is your introduction to Animorphs. Uh, yeah, we'll give you some good ones. <laughs> to be fair, upon going through and listening to the episodes you recommended as well as starting from the beginning mm-hmm. the series slaps mm-hmm. especially the beginning the beginning really grabs you by the gut and is like hey do you want to cry uh-huh. um so uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's not as if you didn't have me hooked <laughs> but <laughs> reading book 40 i was like oh wow We should give some of our usual sort of basic summary stuff and then dive in. Uh, Yeah. This is a Marco book. Mm -hmm. I love my son. He's great. And he is great in this book, to be clear. Like, ham-fisted, like, terminology choices and weird writing moments aside, Marco's characterization in this is incredibly good. I like Mm -hmm. that he does some dumb shit. That's very on character. There's a chapter or a char- part of a chapter I'm going to read out when we get to it because it made me want to die in the good way. Like I was being punched in the chest uh-huh. uh, emotionally. 
and like we haven't it feels like we haven't been in Marco's headspace since the episode with uh Visa One. Mm-hmm. The episode, the book. <sighs> Look, when you do a podcast, <laughs> when you do numerous <laughs> podcasts, the terminology, it gets a little loosey goosey in your head. So getting to come back to him with this book that is very low stakes compared to some of the other ones we've seen. Like in terms of big overarching plot, this is mm-hmm. quite small. So, and it's cool to see like some of the little changes in him and where his head is at with a lot of stuff as we sort of dive in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, as Jade mentioned earlier, the basic idea is we have some new Andalites who are introduced, um, who are both disabled. Um, it is, it is the, the lesson of the week. Um, but they, these two Andalites kind of get dragged into the war, uh, against their will. And, uh, they, the, the kids kind of have to deal with that. Um, all right. So we open with, uh, the usual kind of introduction. Um, there's the, the, I didn't realize when I first read this, but then it comes full circle at the end and I'm just like, oh, um, the, the thing they're going for here at the beginning is like, here are all of these things that you could label me as, but really I am all of these things and therefore a very complicated person and not just one thing. Um, it's fine. Uh, we get the introduction to the Yerks and uh, how they're awful. Though, um, interestingly, uh, especially compared to some of the books recently, he doesn't describe them in the black and white sort of, he doesn't ever call them evil. Mm-hmm. Which I really liked. Um, I don't know whether this is partially due to like, um, the interaction with Vissel One as well, or also just how Marco thinks about things. Because mm-hmm. he describes himself as ruthless all the time, but he doesn't talk about the Yerks as this evil force. He's very matter-of-fact about it. Mm-hmm. Like, they're, they're like slugs on their own. They are blind, deaf, and mute. So, and he's like, this is why they take hosts. Mm-hmm. And while he's very, like, He's not sugarcoating what it is at all, but there's no judgment of it. It's like he's allowing the reader to make the judgment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there, there's definitely some loaded language in here. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But it's nothing as bro. It's nothing as blatant as these evil people and the yes, way that the the yuck, being yucked processes described. Mm-hmm. Yes, he uses terminology, like watching being like impotent as like people you care about are enlisted into a life of slavery. Like he's not, as I said, he's not sugarcoating it. Yeah. And his language isn't free of bias. Like this is clearly the enemy mm-hmm. for the sake of our, our war here. But I just find it very interesting 
that the strategist does not, at least in this book, get painted as this evil force destroying humanity that we need to we need to defeat. Mm -hmm. It's more Mm -hmm. like no, this is them. This is what they do. This is how we fight them, and then just moves on to that. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's it's very true, Uh, and it's also very accurate for Empire Yurts. So we he is vegging out in front of the TV. Uh, His dad and Nora are at a PTA meeting. Um, Even the dog is out for the night. Uh, All of the Animorphs living as humans are (laughs) off doing other things like family things or conference in Cassie's case. Um, uh, Axe and Tobias were doing whatever red-tailed hawks and aliens do on an off night. (laughs) Um, So he's vegging out in front of the TV. He's channel surfing. uh, And he stops on Unsolved Mysteries, uh, which is some kind of cryptozoology type conspiracy theory channel. Um, and, uh, something interesting happens, which is that Unsolved Mysteries has footage of a blue blur moving across the screen from what seems to be some kind of trail cam. And... It's very unsteady footage. It's terrible light conditions. But Marco instantly recognizes this for what it is, which is an Andalite. Um, and so he immediately goes to Axe and Tobias because his thought is it can, it has to be Axe on video here. Um, there's no way it would be Visser 3. Uh, so it must be Axe. Axe got caught somehow. We need to get to Axe and get him to safety before the Yerks see this because someone in the Yerks will see this. Um, it is an inevitability. Uh, I mean, good instincts, Marco. You are mm-hmm. quite correct. <laughs> he is quite correct. Uh, so he goes to his bedroom. He rearranges the pillows so it looks like he's sleeping. And then he morphs a bird and flies out to Axe's scoop. Um, I like that we have these little details as well of um, terminology being correct, like that Marco does listen mm-hmm. and remember stuff like that. Because, like, mm-hmm. like and you could just say, oh, where. Uh, Axe's hangout or where or Axe's home, but he specifically uses the word scoop. Mm-hmm, and I just, mm-hmm. I like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Look, I'm fixating on every positive detail I can <laughs> in this book because that's, that's when, totally uh, when Emily rightfully disembowels it, um, <laughs> I want us to have had a fun time. <laughs> yeah. Not that disemboweling can't be fun. Of course. Yep. Uh, so he flies to Axe's scoop. Axe and Tobias are both home. Um, and they are 
they were watching TV, which I just continue to find the best thing is that these two shorms just sit and watch TV together. Um, and, uh, I also like this detail. What brings a guy like you to a place like this? Nothing good. When is it ever good when one of us just shows up all unexpected? (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, he demorphs and explains the situation. Um, and Tobias is like, it could this be you? And Axe is like, anything is possible. Uh. Um, and they're he like, all right, we need tapes. to get a- this die. I die. I, I die at this. They're like, we need to check the footage. Oh, well, how are we going to get hold of that? We could go to like, the TV station. And they're just like, <laughs> like, no need. And has been like, records all the channels all the time. Yep. Literally just- everything. Boy invented fucking TiVo. Good for him. <laughs> Um, yeah, like this hand wave, you're just like when they talk in one book quite accurately about like uh, the limited storage capacity of a computer, but apparently Axe has some kind of CD ROM setup and mm-hmm. is just like recording hours upon hours of TV. Granted, less channels then, but mm-hmm. still. <laughs> also, Andalite technology, I'm sure he can. We can hand what wave and- it. What? What Andalite technology is this? He's specifically using Earth technology that he's rigged to do this. Right, but we've seen him build a Z-space transponder out of fucking Radio Shack parts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I like, want to know, I wanna know about possible. the 100 channels of Andalite propaganda TV that would warrant a need <laughs> to record on frequencies. <laughs> I, I'm being a shit. This is fine. I, I, I love it as a bit and the notion that Axe does record everything mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. he likes to watch it is very good because these kids don't teach him shit. So mm-hmm. he needs to learn somehow. Mm-hmm. Uh, they find the episode, they replay it, they play it back in slow motion, frame by frame, apparently, which is hilarious to me. Um, and Marco's like, I still can't tell what fucking Andalite this is. It just, it looks like a blue bur- blur that I can recognize as an Andalite, but that's it. Um, but Tobias catches, uh, that it can't possibly be X. Uh, because, and it's not Estrid, it's not Arbat, um, or any of the other Andalites we know. Um, because this Andalite has only half of a tail. And, uh, we get the delightful re- revelation, uh, that Axe is a fucking shit when it comes to disabled people. Um, a V-Cole. There was disbelief in Axe's voice. Something else, too. More than his normal, well, arrogant tone. It sounded like disgust. Excuse me? I asked. He's disabled. And he uses, uh, the C word here. Uh, Axe answered coldly, and his presence here will obviously be a problem. Yeah, I agreed, looking back to the hazy image on the screen. The Yerks get a hold of him, they've got another morphing Andalite on the team. Not good. No, the Yerks would have no use for his body. He is completely useless as a host. Axe waved his frail hand in a dismissing motion. Without a tail blade, he cannot fight, and it is obvious this V-Cole is incapable of morphing or he would have restored his tail from his own healthy DNA. 
So, Axe, how do you really, really feel about this guy? Let me take a wild guess. It sounded nasty. I meant it to. Marco, Tobias said. Seems to me this, uh, guy could be useful to the Yerks in another way. He's got to have information the Visser wants. Which means wherever he is, we get to find him first. Unless we're too late, which I mean, which I'm not even going to think about. Right, Tobias agreed. Best case scenario, he becomes an ally. Axe made a sound that was way too close to a snort. Uh, a vehicle as an ally? Marco, was that meant to be humorous? Because it was not. I grinned, folded my arms across my chest. No, Axe, it wasn't meant to be humorous. What's with you? What is your problem with this guy? Tobias interrupted. Let's get going. We're going to need to talk to Jake and the others. We can deal with this stuff later. I took a deep breath, gave my hair a good yank, straight up, spoke. Yeah, it's time to find us an Andalite. Oh, I said, looking blandly at Axe. Let's not forget one other possibility here. In spite of the famous throughout-the-galaxy Andalite honor, this guy could, as we know, quite possibly be a traitor. The whole videotape thing might be a trap for us unsuspecting big-hearted humans who respond to creatures less fortunate than us with empathy and kindness. That is true, Axe said, while staring back at me with his main eyes. It may very well be a trap. Page eight. Page eight. Page <laughs> Page eight. Uh, uh, this I is the will... point. Yeah. <laughs> it's before we get into the some of the specifics. I wanna. I watched a video essay very recently, uh, talking about, in that case, talking about sort of homophobia and transphobia, and what it was talking about was like it was in response to the old like thing about oh well homophobes are repressed gay people mm -hmm. and how that's a bullshit argument. Um, Kaylin Conrad, do recommend uh, their work. Great, great YouTuber. Uh, but talking about disgust specifically and how disgust is an emotion and a sensation that helps humans stay alive. Mm -hmm. Our disgust at things that could make us sick, things like mold and stuff like that, like that's why it's part of our emotional arsenal mm -hmm. and the reactions people have misplaced as they frequently and often are they cannot that feeling is something like very hardwired you can't help what you are disgusted by it can mm -hmm. be taught to you and you can unpack it but that initial reaction is something like not quite automatic but it's not a conscious choice. And the fact that we then see Axe's initial reaction includes disgust is, I think, what really gets me. It's not like that condescension that we've seen from Andalites before. Mm -hmm. It's not like, oh, that's lesser than. It's that sheer visceral, ew, I don't want that near me. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that's part of what makes it so upsetting. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. is seeing this, this character who is one of our heroes we're supposed to like Axe has that reaction mm -hmm. right. and being called out on it immediately and I do like that Marco is immediately like what the fuck mm -hmm. and hates this and Tobias is doing what Tobias does which is withdrawing from the conflict 
because mm-hmm. he doesn't engage with it right now. But we know from experience that Tobias goes quiet and will just try to stop the conflict. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I they took the legs out from underneath me. I had the warnings going in, like uh, Emily and I both. And then so soon into the book, this happened. And I was like, whoa. Yeah. Obviously, uh, Danielle was like, it's it's bad. It's really bad. But page eight of, of our PDF version of this book is where this word is dropped. And I was like, this was in a children's book? Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Um, so, obviously... The, the C word for anyone who may not be fully aware is cripple. And obviously in, I believe this book was published in 2000. In 2000, people may not have been as aware of exactly the, the incredibly loaded significance of that word. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Today, a lot of disabled people have reclaimed that word. Uh, it it depends. Some people don't. A lot of people do, especially people with physical disabilities. Uh, a lot of people, one person I follow in particular, Andrew Gerza, uh, uses that word quite a bit. Uh, it can be empowering, especially I like to use it when I'm talking about being inconvenient because it gives me a little bit of humor in a way because uh, I always talk about being inconvenient in the way that being inconvenient sometimes is the only way that people actually listen to disabled people in society a lot Mm. of the time. I mean, that's how we got the, at least in America, the Americans with Disabilities Act Mm -hmm. is disabled people crawled up the Capitol building steps and wouldn't let Congress people in uh, without craw- without having to see and step over disabled people. Mm-hmm. So being the loaded history behind that word is just it's shocking to see it, like 20 something years later mm-hmm. in this context Um uh, Especially, like Jade said, with the loaded disgust in Hex's voice mm-hmm. with it. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about this later, but like the language Act uses to describe versus the language that Marco uses and the different tones they're given while describing uh, this particular Andalite is very telling of mm-hmm. how people especially able-bodied people who may not have necessarily been talking to a lot of disabled people or even Mm -hmm. associating with those particular circles in their lives. It's, you can tell, you can definitely tell. And um, I don't, I don't particularly think K.A. Applegate meant anything particularly disrespectful yeah Mm -hmm. i I don't think they meant anything nefarious by it i just think it's very obvious that 
they weren't necessarily in those circles when mm-hmm. they made this book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something it's, it's the go, go ahead, yeah. Okay, quickly. There's something that strikes me about Marco's reaction to uh to this. And uh, the final chapter and the introspection there on the back of also I'm Marco. If I was one of these different names, I wouldn't be me. It strikes me a little bit of somebody. We know that Marco is bullied. Right. Um, mm-hmm. We know that Marco is like uh, half Mexican. Mm-hmm. And as somebody we've seen repeatedly, one um use humor as a defense mechanism all the time quite a mm-hmm. common coping mechanism uh for people that have been the target of uh, abuse by their peers it does make me want to like somebody who is used to being on the receiving end of disgust mm. even when it's not targeted at you mm-hmm. like you may lack the intersectionality and we can't collate the experiences of being a racial minority with being a disabled person. They aren't the same experience, but mm-hmm. there is overlap. And I think it's it makes me wonder if that was perhaps the intent. Mm-hmm. As, well, as well as Marco just being quite emotionally switched on a lot of the time and very aware. Because mm-hmm. sometimes he's oblivious. Um, and sometimes to, to the point where I, I get very frustrated with the writers because it's like, you do my kid dirty. <laughs> but we've seen that from him before. And I like that the choice has been made to have him have this strong reaction. Mm-hmm. And we see right. other people react later. And they're also like, mm, okay, Axe, bit, bit much, yeah? Can we not? Yeah. No one's um, as vocal as Marco, though. But no one, and granted, this is a, a Marco book, mm-hmm. so we are going to see his reactions more. But there is, I find it striking to the point where I'm like, this feels like maybe somebody who has like a relative mm-hmm. or somebody close to them who has dealt with that. Mm-hmm. And like, you have to wonder how much Marco's possibly heard the things people were saying about his dad. When he was, like, deeply depressed and unable to work and the disgust people have towards those struggling mentally. Mm -hmm. Because I I feel like, and this was one of the big things, like, Shaiki's just, like, Axe's ableism, like, and Andalite society's ableism, it's really not that much of a caricature of how we treat disabled people in the West. It's the inevitableness of, one capitalism because if you aren't able to contribute to the economy what good are you mm-hmm. very true and that's very the true. only worth a p- person can have is if they can m- make money and add something to the society which is bullshit uh we stand for like universal basic income nobody's worth is determined by what they can create or do mm-hmm. fuck that noise but it doesn't like that Andalite attitude just like oh well you can't be in the military we already know the Andalite's like well if you're a scientist you're not as good as a soldier anyway oh you're not even in you 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 can't walk go live in a hole I don't want to look at you that just feels like half a step sideways to some very 
fascistic and even as I said, late stage capitalism attitudes. It goes beyond, oh, seeing somebody whose body doesn't work the way I think it should or the way mine does makes me uncomfortable, so yeah. I don't want to look at it. And it's just dialed up that little bit. Yeah. And it's also, like, extremely indicative of the narrow-mindedness. I mean, mm. obviously. But just, like, his his body is useless because he doesn't have half a tail. Right. The entire rest of him is totally mm. fine. Yeah. But he um, can't fight. But he can't fight. But, like, to a yerk, of course he's a useful host. He has an andalite brain, for one. And he can see in all four directions. <laughs> and he can walk and run. Like... He can still fucking fly a plane. He was can a still fly we a plane. Out later. He's a fight, a very good fighter pilot. Yeah, it it's just a uh, extremely, which you know, uh, run runs into the very uh, dangerous territory of like how disabled a person can be before they're deemed quote unquote useless, um, which. Is not where I'm trying to go here. I'm just saying, like, yeah, e it's a very short-sighted. Yes, even even it, this relatively minor disability for mm. Myrtle is is in, enough to write him off in mm. the eyes of Andalite society completely. Yeah, the Andalites, Andalites are very. Oh, go ahead. Mm -hmm. No, please, Emily. Go ahead. Oh, uh, like the Andalites, uh, like you said, he's. He's a fighter pilot, you know. Mm -hmm. The Andalites are just immediately like, oh, well, half his tail is gone. Uh, nah. We're, we're good, thanks. Yeah. They all don't, none of them use morphing anyway. Yeah. But this is a society that mocks <sighs> teachers like, mm, they're no good at what they do anymore, so they're going to teach other people instead. Yeah. Which, I hate that attitude anyway. Well, so those ridiculous. who can do, those that can't teach. It's just like, fuck off. Fuck all the way off and keep yeah. going a little further. Adolites mostly um, fight with shredders anyway. They only use their tail mm -hmm. if they have to get into one-on-one -on -one fighting mm -hmm. in melee. Yeah. And like... Mm -hmm. It's bullshit. I mean, to, on, on the one hand, to give the tiniest smidgen of possible remote understanding is the the tail blade has a lot of significance in their culture in mm -hmm. general um like a lot of their uh language and the way that they approach things is very dependent upon the tail blade even the word shorm is mm. you know someone that you would trust to put their tail blade to your throat Right. Yeah, there's spiritual. There's a spiritual component to yes. it. So, well. like, I can kind of understand that, but that doesn't mean useless. Yeah, For, right. Absolutely. Uh, right. It just occurred to me, like, again, from the outside, uh, looking at it, like their attitude towards, it, like, the way some people are about hair, mm. oh, and yeah. like how the loss of hair is considered such a big thing. Uh, for some uh, people, just like, and how, like, cutting off your hair in certain cultures is seen as, like, a very drastic, like, I forget which uh, my history of anywhere is bad, but, like, 
where people would like cut off their hair as a sign of defiance and things like that. There's a lot of stuff that can be loaded into it. And mm-hmm. a lot of uh, religious uh, different faiths have like rules about cutting hair and mm-hmm. things like that. But for somebody that doesn't have all that, just looking at the outside, just like, dude, it's just fucking hair. Yeah. Like, yeah. it just, to live back to the point I wanted to say before, and all I forget, it just, it very much reminds me of that way, like young children who haven't encountered uh, a disabled person before, just like, oh, you're in a wheelchair? How do you do anything? <laughs> like, they can't <laughs> right. conceive of it because it's so outside of their realm of understanding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it seems like it's such a reduction and like a simple childlike view of, oh, well, if you can't do this one thing, can you do anything? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, you can. But yeah. can you? Yeah, you can. <laughs> yeah. Because it means unpacking. Yeah. And I think that's something that also, because there's this beat later uh, where I think Rachel calls Marco out on old jokes of his. Mm-hmm. And it does make you wonder if, in that way that a lot of us will get defensive if called out on a behavior, mm-hmm. um, you want to, you, but when you see that behavior in others, like has Marco maybe made a joke in the past and uh-huh. he's immediately thinking about every time he's made a joke mm-hmm. and is right. mad at himself? Mm-hmm. I mean, I do like his point later that Rachel calls him on, just like, yeah, no, I think there is a difference between gallows humor and like uh, Emily, you were saying about it's about tone and context as well mm-hmm. and like the Absolutely. specific words used. But yeah. again, that whole notion of just like being hyper aware of your own behavior because you're seeing a slightly worse version of it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because that's why people don't like to it. oh well i'm not ableist or not because they only think of it as the big actions when obviously it's so much more ingrained in society than a lot of people are prepared to confront mm-hmm. it it uh it also uh is informative of why the Andalites are so disgusted by the Yerks. Blind. Mm-hmm. Mute. Deaf. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh and 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 that ooh, ooh, there's there's a lot to that. Fuck. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> just like the the what's the word um not not audacity but related to audacity of like a yerk then taking control of someone who is able-bodied um to interact with the world and them being disgusted by that in addition to the disgust of like the fact that the yerks literally are enslaving people yeah, and it's um, also like, how dare a yerk infest an andalite? Yes. As well, like the abomination of mm-hmm. how dare you sully the perfect andalite form. It's just sort of like, mm-hmm. 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 yeah, we said we weren't going to content warn specifically for eugenics at the top when we were discussing, but <laughs> you're n- ableism and eugenics, there's not much different uh, distance between them. Mm-hmm. They're, yeah. They're very closely linked. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it makes me sad about the Hork-Bajir again. 
Yeah, because everything ma- everything smart. makes me sad about the Hork Bashir. <laughs> well, the Hork Bashir are the textbook example of oh, well, they're not smart enough to understand, so ergo, their opinion means less, so therefore mm-hmm. they're an acceptable loss. Yeah. And the lights suck. Yep. Uh, yep. It's just yes. The worst Congrats, all around. KA. Your uh, your critique of the American military and capitalism <laughs> continues to suck beyond compare. Good job. <laughs> oh. Yep. Yep. All right. We we should keep moving. We we scheduled four <laughs> hours for a reason. But let's. <laughs> uh. So they all morph. Um, well, except for Tobias, because he's already a bird. But Axe and Marco morph into birds. Um, they go out to where this area is, because Tobias just can recognize the clearing from eight seconds of very grainy footage. Big Elliot from Leave Ridge Energy. Just, it's a very specific tree line. <laughs> Uh, something about the slope of the field and a pine tree partially destroyed by lightning. Uh, if Axe is our personal clock, Tobias is our personal cartographer and wilderness guide. Uh, I love my son. <laughs> um, but, uh, they go out to this clearing, um, and look around. They're looking for signs of a struggle, anything out of the ordinary. Um, but there isn't anything there. No evidence of foul play. They search for a while. Um, can't find anything. Uh, Marco is about to suggest that they go home and get some sleep and then contact Jake and the others. And Axe is like, yeah, all right. Um, but we should demorph and remorph because we've been in morph for almost 90 minutes and it took us a while to get out here, blah, blah, blah. Um, so Tobias keeps guard while Marco and Axe land and begin to demorph. Uh, but, Right about uh the time that they are finishing their demorphing, a possum at the edge of the clearing also begins to demorph. Um it's an andalite, but it's not Visser 3. Uh and it's not the one they saw on television either, because this andalite is fucking huge. He this is-, is the buff andalite from the covers. Buff. This is the buffet like from the covers. He is <laughs> humongous. He is the biggest Andalite by far they have ever seen. Um, he has a huge fucking tail. Uh, his blade, uh, is compared to a literal scythe. Like, not just a scythe-like blade, but like a literal scythe blade being that large. Um, and hubcap-sized hooves, um, bigger than a Clydesdale. Yeah, that uh, was the bit that got me. Not like the whole thing, just like the the tor- like the centaur part, uh-huh. like the legs and back half is the size of a Clydesdale. Just like, yeah, holy fucking shit! This is the Hulk <laughs> of Adelaide. This Adelaide's. is a huge Adelaide. He's so buff, <laughs> just ridiculously so- buff. <laughs> Soldiers like a fullback. Like, strong looking hands. Like <laughs> this is an Adelaide. How does it have buff hands? This guy does. <laughs> Uh, 
even the usually small and delicate many-fingered Andalite hands were broad and toughened like those of a carpenter or a construction worker. It's a barra Andalite. <laughs> You're so, right! He's so big. There, There is a lot of... Uh, this explains why he's a gay Andalite, frankly. This is the kind of like that makes all the other gay Andalites go, Damn! <laughs> oh, we have a bear and a twink. We have a bear and a twink. <laughs> I'm not sorry. <laughs> uh, love this for them. Love it. Um, but he's really big and imposing, uh, and he kind of like uh, squares up to Axe. Um, is this and Mark knocks? Oh, and no, that Go comes ahead. after with the where he knocks Tobias out. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, and <laughs> Marco is like, yeah, Axe is a literal child. This is not going to go well. Um, like, Axe has held his own in fights with Visser 3 before, where v Visser 3 is obviously larger because he's a full adult. Uh, but, like, this is, this is unfair. Um, and, but he doesn't strike. He just kind of, like, stands there and squares up. Um, ignoring Marco entirely, but looking at Axe. Uh, and Tobias is like, all right, uh, this is bad, but I don't think he's seen me. I'm going to try to catch him off guard. So Tobias goes in for his usual attack, uh, but, uh, oh, and, uh, this Andalite flinches, which is strange, uh, but he does knock Tobias out of the sky, basically hitting him with his huge, massive fucking tail. And Tobias just crumples. Um, uh, Marco begins to run towards Tobias, but Axe, like, basically tells him to stay back with a warning glance. Um, and Axe is like, don't do anything, don't say anything. Uh, the humongous fucking Andalite gallops at Axe. Axe lunges, there's a very brief tail fight, uh, and then the bigger Andalite just knocks Axe with the flat of his tail blade, and Axe is just, like, bowled over. <laughs> um. And, uh, the larger Andalite basically just, like, waits for Axe to stand up and just places his tail blade against Axe's throat. Uh, and he calls him Visser 3, which is hilarious. It's not hilarious because I know why he makes this uh, mistake. Um, but before you know that, it's hilarious to think of Axe being mistaken as Visser 3. Um, Visser 3, at last we meet, I was unaware of the fact that you were such a puny, worthless adversary. <laughs> it's no wonder you sent your minions to do the work of a true warrior. Ooh, what a neg. Uh, Incredible neg. <laughs> but again, I suppose in the themes of the book, it is like making it clear what Andalites prioritize. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, physical prowess. Uh, and Axe oh, is like... God. Mm -hmm. I'm mad at myself. Because just think, this, and I don't, I don't think a child reading this would necessarily have this, or even another adult, frankly, but it does just like, oh, this feels like a small dick joke. Like, I was expecting this <laughs> to be more impressive, if you catch mm. my drift. Like, mm -hmm. it just, it feels very 
for uh, a ridiculously buff jacked yes. uh, yes. Andalite. Just like, oh, tiny, puny, you're no match for me. Mm-hmm. It feels very like 80s action movies where the guy yeah. is like huge. Yeah, it's machismo. Okay. Um, Thank you. Uh, Axe is like, I'm not Visser 3, I'm Aximili. And the dude's like, oh, you're Elfangor's younger brother? Um, and the the other Andalite uh, is like, oh, you were on the Great Dome ship. You survived. That's surprising. Um, and Axe is like, uh, yes, Axe said, although I begged to be allowed to fight. I was sent to wait out the battle in the dome until quite recently I was under the impression I was the only one who had survived. Perhaps I have been mistaken. I witnessed the video of the V-Cole. The V-Cole? The roar of the Andalite's angry thought speak was deafening. I act- It actually made my head hurt. I watched helplessly as he pushed his tailblade even deeper into the skin of Axe's neck, drawing a small trickle of blood. His name is Martil Iskar Elmend, the Andalite went on in a slightly more normal tone. And you will do well to remember that, Aris. Axe is no fool. When he spoke, he kept the tone of his thought speak neutral. I have heard of this Myrtle Iskar Elmond, the fighter pilot. I have heard of the many honors he received while participating in various battles. And whom do I have the honor of meeting now? It was insane. Axe definitely had a career as an actor alongside Gwyneth Paltrow in Shakespeare in Love. Or maybe as a diplomat. I was so freaked out I was about to wet my pants and Axe was acting like a hero in a witting drawing room, witty drawing room comedy or something. Talk about grace under fire. I am Gafinilan Estrif Velad. Axe's four eyes showed a sudden respect. His thought speak revealed a note of excitement. I have heard of you also. Your reputation as a fighter pilot is one of the finest in the history of the Academy. Your career sets an example every artist would be well to follow. Gafinilan removed his tailblade from Axe's neck. He looked embarrassed, awkward. Not displeased by Axe's praise, but not pleased either. Uh, he averted his main eyes from Axe's own. Commander Gafinilan, he continued, excitedly. Recently I was made aware of the fact that the Andalite fleet has been diverted from its mission to quell the Yurk invasion on this planet. Instead, the fleet has been sent to deal with the Rakham Guru conflict in the Nine Sifter. There will be no special forces deployed to help my comrades stop the Yurk conquest of planet Earth. You must help us. I must do nothing, Gafinilan retorted bitterly. I am no longer a warrior, Aximilias Garoth is still. My sole purpose now, indeed my duty and my responsibility, is to care for Myrtle. As you have noted, he added, his tone darkening. He was badly injured in our last battle, the one that stranded us on this planet so far from home. Axe seemed about to protest. Leave us in peace, Gafenilan commanded, quietly. No room for argument. If you do not, if you try to prevent me from fulfilling my task, I swear by the memory of my parents that you will die. I stood as still as I'd ever stood, almost at attention, stiller even than I'd stood at my own mother's funeral. Only this time I was afraid that if I moved so much as a hair, I'd be killed. Rebellious non-military issue behavior from an Andalite should not have struck me, us, as unusual, or disturbing. Not after the stories we'd heard about Aloran on the hork planet. Not after knowing that Alfangor had broken one of his society's strictest laws. And especially not after a recent aca- encounter with Arbat Elevatastoni, a soldier and thinker driven mad by war. Still, there was something awful and dark and desperate emanating from this stranded alien soldier. I had no doubt whatsoever he meant what he'd said. That he'd kill us if we came looking for him and Myrtle. 
unless, out of the corner of my eye, I saw Tobias stir, was outrageously grateful he was alive, willed him to be still, not to call attention to himself. Now go, Arist Aximili, take your friend and leave this place. Visser Three will be here at any moment, and he will not be as merciful as I have been, I assure you. Sir, for your own good, Aximili, Gephedalan said harshly, forget that you ever saw me. Forget about Martel. That is an order. Forget. Gephedalan turned away from us, all four eyes forward, as he walked back toward the dark woods, away from the revealing light of the moon. At the edge of the woods, he stopped. He did not turn around, not even his eyes. I wish you luck on your mission, Eximili, you and your comrades, even though it is hopeless. They follow Gaffinilan, figure out where he lives, um, uh, because they need to know why Gaffinilan let them live. Um, they're not sure what all he saw, whether he saw Marco Demorph, um, entirely uh, whether he missed part of it. Um, but they track him to a, uh, a small building where he has stored clothes. He comes out as a human. Um, he's described as just like the most average human ever. <laughs> Yeah. At first, they think uh, he's maybe because uh, he's gone into a cave, and they think it might be an entrance to the Yerk Tunnel, and they don't realize straight away that it's him, right? Leaving yeah. as a human. And I think it's Tobias that uh, puts it together. So, yep. mm-hmm. um, <laughs> the kind of guy Jake might have become if fate hadn't chosen a spectacularly <laughs> odd path for him. Um. But yeah, he walks off. They follow him to a house. Well, first they look at the cave. Um, they're like, oh, there's nothing in here. Oh, that guy must have been Gaffinilan. Um, so they follow him. They follow him to a house. Uh, and like he goes in and they're like, all right, what now? <laughs> and, uh, Mark was like, well, I guess it's time to inform the others of what all happened so we cut to a meeting uh at the barn um and uh marco is explaining what all happened he explains that gaffinilan saw him demorph but it's you know he's not sure how much he actually saw because he didn't react to marco like at all um and Jake's like, all right, well, that's really suspicious, uh, because, like, Gonrad almost had a heart attack when he found out there were humans with a morphing power. So this guy has to care. Um, so there has to be something else going on. Uh, and Marco's like, yep, guy didn't ask questions. He didn't ask how Axe knew what he knew. Didn't ask how many comrades Axe had, who we were. Um, no one's that disinterested. It's selective attention. Calculation. Um, Axe brings up that Gaffinilan was expecting the Visser to arrive. Um, Axe points out maybe he was waiting to meet the Visser. Tobias is like, or he was waiting to attack the Visser. We shouldn't jump to conclusions. Um, 
And Marco's like, yeah, we, we know enough to jump to conclusions. We know that there is a relationship. Uh, and like, this is, this guy's a threat. Um, if he's not with us, he's against us. Uh, and Jake's like, all right, well, let's not, let, let's continue to not jump to conclusions, please, because we still could convince him to become part of the team, blah, blah, blah. We have to, we have to watch these guys. We have to see if they're actually controllers. Uh, he sets up watch duty. Um, and Jake asks Axe what he knows about Gaffinolan. Axe is like, all right, well, his reputation is flawless. Um, he's a warrior. Uh, he, um, uh, it's not unusual for him to act that way as a trained soldier alone on an alien planet without any reinforcements. Rachel's like, all right, well, who took the videotape? Like, who took that video? Why was it there? Um, and Rachel points out it might have been taken by Gaffinolan as a way to lure the Andalite bandits in. <sighs> Basically, it just a lot of things don't make sense. They need more information. They need to figure out what they're going to do. Um, and, uh, that means that they need to, one, watch them, two, go in and meet with Gaffinolan again. Um, but only Marco and Axe because they don't want to give them more information than they already have. Uh, yeah. And so they wait. We do get that good beat between, um, Marco and Jake. Um, where Marco's like clearly keen to be doing something and Jake's just like, yeah, no, nah, no, nah, you've done enough, my guy. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, the three of you running off to find this antelope. I just like that we get that little nod because I think it could come across as like Jake being a dick, mm-hmm. but it does have that sort of looking after or looking out for Marco. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's a pained smile. Like, mm-hmm. uh- Jake, my buddy. <laughs> uh, but Marco isn't content to just sit around, so he goes out to the house, um, meets Skip up with school. Tobias. Skips school entirely. Goes out to the house, uh, meets up with Tobias. Uh, and Tobias is like, yep, we followed him. He he works as an assistant to an acad- some professor who works with particle physics at the university, which is just so much. How did he get this job? The world will never know. Fake CV I mean, and a real good interview. Just knows yeah. a lot about particle physics, apparently. He uh, Alternatively, I mean, he walked in with the confidence of an average white cishet guy and got the job. <laughs> oh, you know what? Also true. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it has been a while, probably like a year at least since. Uh, yeah. the, I mean, the judging by crashed, the so. uh, judging by the state of like the house, um, that he and uh, Myrtle are real good students of human society. Mm-hmm. I could 
see them really quickly settling in and figuring out how best to mm -hmm. assimilate. Mm -hmm. Um. But they don't think that they haven't seen him go to a yerk pool at all. Um, they've watched him literally all morning, except for when he went to the bathroom to demorph. Um, and Rachel and Cassie went to school. Tobias has hung around because he doesn't have to go to school. Um, at about 11, Henry got a phone call that seemed to shake him up. Next thing I know, he's hightailing at home. Unless he morphed something really small and took off again, I think he's still in there. Or in the greenhouse, which is attached to the house. Um, and they kind of get closer and uh, they're able to see Gaffinalan in the greenhouse, just kind of like fussing with the plants. Um, and Tobias explains that according to Axe, gardening is a very cool hobby for Andalites. It's an art. Um, they don't see any sign of Myrtle. Uh, and Marco's like, all right, well, I'm going in closer. Gotta, gotta get a better view. Um, <laughs> uh, and he hits a force field, um, and is electrocuted. Uh, lands on the roof, uh, and is stunned long enough that Gaffinalan, like, opens a window and points a shredder at him. Um, and Gaffinalan is just like, all right, you need to surrender right the fuck now. Um, <laughs> and... At first, Marco tries to play dumb. Uh, Gaffinalan shoots off one of his talents as a warning shot. And Marco's like, all right, yep, I surrender. Yep, I'm done. Uh, and he tells Tobias to go get the others. Uh, and Marco goes inside with Gaffinalan. Uh, I do appreciate and I'm frustrated in equal measures by Marco being prey to the uh, smart guy who makes dumbass choices trope. <laughs> um, makes me happy in my soul place and also terrified for my son. Mm -hmm. Just like, I, mm -hmm. I need more intel. Let me just get a little closer. Bug zapped by a force field. Just like, Kate, mm -hmm. you get the worst fucking injuries in this group. I swear. Please. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here with Jake. Marco, please. <laughs> we can't keep doing this. Um, it does kind of be like Galifianakis. I, I almost said Galifianakis, which is not that. <laughs> um, not quite correct. Not quite, quite correct. Not. In fact, wrong. Um, but like when he says it's a warning shot and he's very sort of like macho about it but again detail we discover later maybe the warning shot was meant to go wider than it did <laughs> maybe yeah maybe it was meant to be an actual warning shot <laughs> I mean it's also possible that because he's under the impression this is somebody in morph that it'll be the injury will be gone soon enough anyway yeah. so it doesn't yeah. matter which mm -hmm. seems more likely uh, just showing that he's a badass. But the thought did strike me. Yeah. 
Gafanalane is like, oh, so my eyes didn't deceive me. You are actually a human, not an Adalite. Um, <laughs> uh, who gave you the morphing technology? Um, and Marco's like, what difference does that make? <laughs> difference between right and wrong. The Andalite who gave you the power to morph broke the law of Ciro's kindness. He's a criminal. The Andalite who gave me the power to morph is dead. And I'm not sure you should be calling anyone else a criminal. You know, uh, let he who is without fault throw the first stone and all. What are you implying, human? I'm not implying anything. I'm saying it outright. You made some kind of deal with Visor 3. I'm not sure of the details yet or what you stand to get out of it. But this much I do know. Visor 3's a yerk. Now you Andalites are a smart bunch. You tell me what that makes you. <laughs> and Kevin, just... I love how uh, when all of Axe's uh, tail... Um, tail blade strikes are described with like a flop. Uh, this dude's tail blade strikes are described with swooshes. Um, befitting like the, the just, implication like, of the weight behind them. Mm -hmm, yeah. Mm -hmm. They just a huge honking blade. Uh, he nicks, uh, Marco's neck with his tail blade, uh, in warning. Like, I'm not a trainer. Uh, traitor. And then Axe shows up. Clearly he wasn't too far away. <laughs> Pushing his way through the tall hedges. Uh, so he just ran I, through this neighborhood as an animal. <laughs> like a beautiful visual. <laughs> I mean, he maybe he was also nearby not trusting, chilling out in some mm -hmm, morph, mm -hmm. but also the visual is good. Just like reverse Homer Simpsoning out of the hedge. Just like, <laughs> wait, I'm here. I'm here. Uh -huh. <laughs> Uh, and Axe is like, don't kill him. He's part of the resistance. Uh, you, you strike him down. You prove yourself a traitor. Uh, there's some more, uh, posturing between the two. Um, and finally he's like, I warned you not to approach me. Your prince insults me by ignoring my command and sending human children. Uh, but I will speak with him or I will speak with no one. And Margo's like, all right, well, I guess this conversation is over. Uh, and Gaffenelan is like, no, 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 don't, don't leave yet. It's, it's fine. Come on back. We'll, we'll go inside and talk. Um, <clears throat> and we get, uh, the first of many, uh, uh, obvious, uh, hints towards Something is not right with Gafinalan. Um, for a split second, I thought I saw a trembling race through his massive body. A slight tremor. Maybe I imagined it. We get this kind of thing a lot. These tremors, um, him showing, uh, an Ill inability to see things very clearly, um, pain, stuff like that. Uh, Jake is here as well, um, informing Marco and Axe that they're, they're all present and accounted for, ready to bust in if something goes wrong. Marco says, okay, let's talk. So they go in to the house, uh, and they step into what looks like, uh, a house that came straight out of Martha Stewart living. Uh, it's just like picture perfect. Um. Lots of name dropping of brands, which makes me think like, 
they went through like a catalog and just picked they just like okay that's a very human thing that's a very human thing like Mm -hmm. advertising worked as intended yes when they were uh putting this place together they got a kitchen aid they don't use do you know how much that offends my sensibilities as someone that can't afford a kitchen aid who wants one rude for real um but yeah he he gives them a tour of the house like look at how wonderful our blending in with human society is whereas marco just sees the fact that it's like perfect and therefore weird because everything is sparkling clean and it looks like nothing has ever been used. Um, and uh, he's like, no one's going to believe that two guys leave here. And Gaffanelian's like, well, uh, as far as anyone else is concerned, only one person lives here. Um, <laughs> this house belongs only to a Henry McClellan and he resides alone. He lives quietly. He spends most of his time at his office at the university. He does not have friends. He is what humans call a loner. <laughs> and just like, all right. All right, buddy. You did your research, I guess. Uh, uh, and Marco puts together that clearly wherever Gaffinalan and Myrtle actually live, it's somewhere else in the house because th- this all is totally untouched. Gaffinalan invites them into the private, his private quarters, um, which are in like a concealed part of the house. There's, there's a fucking keypad and everything to get into it. Um, they let Jake know where they are and they go into this area. Um, but Myrtle isn't there either. Uh, and this is obviously very weird. Like, where are you hiding a whole ass Andalite? 